0: greetings to you guys and ghouls welcome to haunted picture palace i am amelia this is ben hello and today we're going to talk to you about the exorcist (laughs) 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 one of my bells is broken it's from 1973 and it's banging discuss yeah (laughs) yeah Many, many, many trigger warnings coming out of our eyes, nose, and mouth today. So, if you dislike people masturbating with religious icons, if you dislike that person being children, (laughs) if you dislike themes of sexual assault on a minor, of demon possession, of desecration of a church, of vomiting green, of priests having an uncomfortable time, of suicide, of policeman of...
1: <laughs> Just a, a heavy, a very heavy blasphemous mm. sort of a vibe to it.
0: Definitely. But and it is, have... it's frightening. Yes. Yeah. There is a caveat here in that we are aware that this has been dealt with and looked at and examined by hundreds of thousands of people. We are not going to be the authority on this film, not that oh, we no. ever are, but we're also not going to try and bring you some kind of Incredible expose. What we want to do is go through it like we normally do, and then also supplement that with some mega facts because I've never seen so much trivia yeah. <laughs> on a film. This one <laughs> is famous for a reason. If you haven't watched it, pause the tape and go and have a look at it, even if the idea of it freaked you out as a small person. And if you've watched it too young, I want to say this is one in particular where if you've watched it too young, and you think, oh, that was really cheesy. Go back as an adult and watch it now that you've met children, because it is. Oh, that's very. It is poet. horrendous. Yes.
1: Yeah, because what I was going to say was, I came to it quite late, and mm. I was blown away by it. It's it's a wonderful, just a great piece of filmmaking, but also it's very much not what it was in my imagination. Yes. And what it is, if you've heard of it, if you're listening and you've got to this point in the pod, the very early point in the pod, <laughs> and you are tempted to to listen to us and watch it. I mean, you can do what you'd like, but. But I would recommend yeah. watch the film first because I, I really would recommend seeing it without any more preconceptions than yes. you've already got. Dead right. We are working from when we have watched the theatrical cut in the original oh, version yes. as it was. There was done uh, in the... Early two thousands, a sort of director's cut, billed as the version that you've never seen. Mm. The details of which are covered extensively in Mark Kermode's BFI film monograph on the subject, which is in its third edition now and is sort of the, the definitive short text
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the film. I won't go into those details if you're interested; they're there. <laughs> but this is the version that we're we've gone we're gone for and we're working from. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I will point up from this is that there was tension on the film during the making of the film between Mm -hmm. William Peter Blatty the author of the book who's credited in the credits right William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist and uh, William Friedkin the director of the film yes about what should be cut and what should be kept and how Mm -hmm. the film should go that the tension was such that 30 years later, they recut it and redid it based on some of those arguments we are having at the time.
0: It makes so much sense. And actually, having heard a lot about Friedkin and then seeing him introduce our version of the DVD, he sort of sounds, he has Donald Trump's accent, but he looks like Garth Marenghi, which is quite a <laughs> yeah. niche reference. But if you know it, you know it.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong.
0: And I also put, it looks like we're going to find out terrible things about him after he dies. Oh, to me. Sounds- from the way that he speaks, from the way that he talks about things, when you when you read about the difference between everybody's interaction with him, it's really similar to what's been coming up with our Joss Whedon.
2: Right. That's where some
0: people are like, great guy, loved it. And some people are like, I was a child and this is fine.
1: <laughs> he certainly had some questionable working practices for him shall we get into that later again in, but then the this is
0: what people were saying about joss wasn't it yeah. where they're like well he worked people hard and it's like well apparently <laughs> he was an abuser like <laughs> um, different strokes we're in 1973 we are right cresting the wave here of satanic panic fun times sure. but we are also discovering pedophiles exist We are, we're in the midst of it. We're discovering that children can't play alone (laughs) and that latchkey kids aren't great and all these interesting things that all happened at once in media and for the public and digesting them and digesting them alongside a film like The Exorcist like nothing, no one had ever seen anything like it at this point especially not involving a child children were kept sacred up to that point and then witnessing about 10 different tropes being busted out of nowhere that don't exist you know the having seeing 10 different tropes created and moving from there blew people's minds the context of this is it blew people's minds i would say
1: yeah it's not like there obviously there are influences on it i'm sure we'll come on mm. to some things but it really it's one of those films that did change things culturally i mm-hmm. suppose almost you know it was such an event and it's been impossible to make a film like this since Partly because this has done it so well, but also that it just informs everything in this vein to this day.
0: To this day, speaking of to this day, this remains Warner Brothers' highest grossing film ever once you put in the conversion. Good fact. Which is wild, isn't it? Still... And, again, it will be partly because it ran for a very long time because they wheel it out every Halloween or every celebration and they're still getting royalties from it, but big cinemas still play it because yeah. it's a cult classic. Well I, say, well, I
1: didn't know until looking into this. was it, They re-released it in 1998 mm. for the 25th anniversary of it and it got to number one in the box office. Oh,
0: that's so incredible. Which just
1: doesn't happen. No. Yeah. They wheel, wheel films out again and, of course, they get cinema releases and this is before... Certainly before streaming, this is before the widespread availability mm. of it. But it was available on video, you know. But people still yeah. came out and went to the cinema for it, in such droves to beat everything else that was came out and astonishing
0: enough that it was the first horror film to be nominated for an Academy Award. Oh yes,
1: yeah. That's the other thing as well. Yeah, like yeah, Academy Award nominations. A lot of nominations, not very many wins for it. But I think
0: it really went for best feature. Yeah. The I think there were only like four or five others. One of them's Get Out. So, right, Martin? Yeah. No, um, I think Get Out is the
1: only other one that's like properly a horror film.
0: Yes, and the rest of them are not billed as horror, even if they are. I think the closest that won it was Silence of the Lambs.
1: Sure, which is... It's horror, but is it's a horror film, thriller. But, but yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, Friedkin, who directed this, came from a thriller background, if you'd like. He won oh. the Oscar for his previous film two years before, The French Connection.
0: Oh, okay, I've which not seen won, that.
1: Uh, won best best picture, and he won best director for it, which of course gave him enormous oh, clout for his next uh, picture. But is a it's a thriller, it's a cop thriller, mm. uh, rather than anything supernatural or, or horrific like this.
0: Interesting. Mm. Anyway, it, talking
1: for a while, I haven't even started the film. <laughs> it,
0: okay, so we're opening, and it doesn't actually start with tubular bells. No. everyone it starts with ominous chanting from the mysterious other place
2: mm-hmm.
0: the mysterious other place is iraq i've written northern iraq in brackets it is shot on location it's got an incredible shot of the sun looking like a fireball from mm-hmm. hell everything is edgy you don't get dialogue for the first five minutes of the film And then you don't get dialogue in English fully until about a good 10-15 minutes, I would say. 10 minutes at least. They shot on location with an all-British crew, which is quite interesting, because the US didn't have relations with Iraq at the time. And because there were only certain rules and hoops they had to jump through to get filming there, because they are actually on an ancient site of worship.
1: Yeah, that's how to make it look like a a mesopotamian archaeological dig right you just
0: yeah off you go you film it it's like we'll just go there there was a small issue where they believed that they may have broken something which didn't go well but the swap the agreement was that the english crew or the british crew would impart filmmaking knowledge onto iraqi filmmakers and improve their abilities to make things like Interesting shots and fake blood. A fake blood recipe was the price to pay for getting into an ancient site of worship, which is quite cool.
1: Indeed, and we meet uh, Max von Sydow here, mm. star of stage and screen, of course, the uh, star of a fair few Ingmar Bergman films, but most famously the uh, Seventh Seal.
0: Which okay, I thought you were going to say the one I'd seen. What was the one I'd seen that was Winter wonderful? Winter Light. Winter
1: Light. I I mean, that's, that's cracking.
0: cracking. Yeah. They might.
1: Might do that in a future product. Good think.
0: idea, yes. I wouldn't know if it was a horror, but it's, it's definitely it's haunted. It's not a horror film, no, though. <laughs> it uh, is haunted, <laughs> definitely. I've just put that Max von Sydow is so good in this. I thought he was dead old. He's, what, 44 at the time of 44 filming?
1: 44 and made up to look older, but I mean, it's it's an excellent makeup job, but it's also an incredible acting job where he yes. just inhabits the body of well, a much older man. Well, he doesn't
0: do theatre old man acting, he does film old man acting, which up to that point was quite a rare beast. The, yeah. the temptation to do the voice and lean over and things must be overwhelming, but there was none of that. He looks broken. By the time mm. he finds the amulet, if you like, the thing that he finds as a tracking shot sure. of a child running through the dig that comes up and says, oh, yes. we found something. like, what kind of thing? And it's all said in, oh, what language?
1: It'll be Farsi, presumably. Thank you,
0: Farsi. That was it. I couldn't get there. And it's just beautiful. We track the child. It stops there. We then have these finds. He's going through things. It's like a coin that doesn't belong there. It's in the wrong time period. Mm -hmm. There's all these kind of weird mystery objects that I feel like the book probably goes to town on more.
1: Yes, I think just the coin being in the wrong time period is just, to me, it's just pointing up that... Because after the prologue we're going into like modern day America Mm. It's it's ancient things Being in the wrong place And it's the mixture, it's the clash of times If you'd like
0: Yeah that's a really good point The score is so incredible And that wasp buzzing evil sound Mm. Is really distressing Would you like to know how they made it? I
1: would love to know how they made that
0: It is played all at once and mixed very cleverly By the sound team Beagles, pigs about to go to slaughter A convulsing woman and a trapped bee
1: Wow.
0: Which is the a, sound of hell.
1: That's a, yeah, that's a nightmare list, isn't it? Yeah. That's wonderful. I didn't know that.
0: Absolutely horrendous, and that's why it's so distressing. You are hearing real fear, real distress, a, a bee. Yeah. Terrifying. But I didn't <laughs> know that in the moment, so I've just written, that's super distressing.
1: Yeah, no, I've, I've pointed up the, the hammering. There's a fair amount of hammering, which mm. sort of comes up again a few times in the score, or at least is suggested for me anyway I'll, Point him out when we get And it's a the
0: sound of hell, right? It's you yeah. being forced to work forever in torment. Yeah. It is a soundscape from hell. The one eyed man here has always intrigued me. So Max von Sidel, his character has the shakes and is taking medication and clearly is on the verge of breakdown, having just encountered this strange figure, this strange sculpture, there's a moment with a demonic form. Mm-hmm. That's never really explained or looked at again. It doesn't appear. The, it's it, really interesting. It doesn't
1: appear again, but it's they're either side of the screen if I'm remembering it correctly, yes. and it is it's framed like a confrontation, which I suppose again is something that's picked up later in the film. Yes, it's sort of prefiguring that, well the exorcism, I suppose, to jump much further forward. But it's no no spoiler to, to suggest well, that that's coming.
0: True, but again, it, it implies that he would be the most qualified to perform an exorcism because he's met what he perceives to be the devil, Mm. and therefore God must exist for him. He's had this encounter that seals his faith. (laughs) Yeah. and
2: Yeah,
1: especially in contrast with another priest that we will meet.
0: And then has to live that way, and that requires medication to stop the shakes, and I think that's scary in itself. What's he actually seen? We see most of it in silhouette. What's he encountered? It can't just be a man with one eye, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, the man with one eye, I think, is just a bit of spooky local colour you know
0: do you i think so uh, i, I thought it might it... be an odin reference oh, it might, there it might be some that's old gods thought. yes some old gods referencing where you're like oh and there were a few different bits that i felt like happened very quickly mm-hmm. but could all be myths or figures or deities yeah represented yes. but i might be reading too much into it i'm not well, sure that's, well, that's
1: the joy isn't it yeah it's, yeah it's, it's part of the fun
0: I wonder if Western audiences had seen Iraq depicted this way before, with actual life and civilization before this film.
1: As you were alluding with the British crew, Mm. not alluding, as you flat out (laughs) stated, it was very difficult for American crews to film there. I'm really not sure.
0: Do you see what I mean, though? It is an interesting look at it, because there are definitely members of a clergy there. There are definitely members of community there. There are women and children and things existing and happening that are not just some racist depiction of yeah, I was say, a Peter Miles painted brown. That's gonna say something much worse than that. But yes, right. that stuff. <laughs> because it's all terrible and embarrassing and painful to look at, you know. Yeah. But also it's what people saw of the place. It's why people who grew up in the seventies have a dim view of that culture sometimes. Sure. And it's nice to see it with people living human lives and having shoes and being <laughs> yeah. being people.
1: Yeah, it is still used for sort of mysterious mysterious it's a little bit of the old and again it's sort of frightening and as you said like it's a sort of hell soundscape
0: to a point but it's deliberately hell because it's hot it doesn't start as hell when we get there we're in a desert digging it's very clear that we've gone for the more (laughs) mummy-esque horror moment you know where we're in fair enough i keep trying to say the mysterious east i'm not sure that's what i mean but it is uh, yeah mystery of the it's the
1: Yes, uh, Orientalism is the key text on this right the That's the, where I was going, the yeah. other yes um this m- mysterious and exotic place,
0: yes, and we do that, but it it really it could be anywhere, but we specify it's Iraq, and I wonder why, yeah, as well. I wonder point. if that was something that they asked to have put in there, as in mm. can you advertise our country in a way yeah, show it show it as it really is, <laughs> but also. I think I just think it's interesting to show people I understand that it's there for the inverted commas novelty of look how spooky this is we're in a place you don't know doing things you'll never understand.
1: Yeah and it's an ancient land as well you know with with quotation marks which around he, those words yes
0: which he is improving by being christian within it so yeah. I, I understand also the it's, dodgy you know
1: it's all it's all biblical around there right
0: yes but i understand the dodgy implications i just also think it's interesting to not have them as some kind of weird indiana jones caricature
1: yeah no and you could have easily well, i say easily it would have been to the film's detriment yes but there are plenty of films that would have done this on a soundstage with they say either like one of the two like british arab actors working at the time mm. or as i say just a couple of old stages sort of painted with a bit of ron seal and <laughs>
0: I've just put i'm just glad they didn't do that ron seal. I was too excited the (laughs) shot of him walking in the ruins then shaded by that satanic sculpture with a snake penis is gorge dogs fighting comes up again and again in this they use the sound effect of dogs fighting just those two dogs fighting in the the desert as the sound effect for the rising anger in two men again and again interestingly I've got a tarot reference here Mm, in that even though we see the sun everywhere In the card, the moon, there's a dog and a wolf and they are sitting opposite each other. And Mm -hmm. the most depictions of the moon card have two dogs or a dog and a wolf. It's supposed to have the connotation of all things howl at the moon, which is the idea that we're all connected in instinct and acting out of a one source right so it's interesting that they use that is what i'm saying they could use the bee (laughs) and the lady convulsing and the hellscape noises but they don't they just use the dogs fighting as if it's like dominance good over evil dominance yeah every all of it is natural does that make sense
2: all of
1: it is natural
0: as in that's the message of the moon card the dog and the wolf are both howling at the same place it's a natural state to exist in because they are all part of nature, it's supposed to make you realise that whether you are that wild wolf or that domesticated dog, you will still have a similar response to instinct. You know? Yeah. You will yeah. still have a drive that is natural. And I wonder if they're hinting at something. Again, I could just be talking at my bum no, bum.
1: No, this well, well, we'll pick up on that. We'll pick up on that because I want to talk a little bit at some point about the theology of the film, I guess. hmm Because... It's a very Christian film in a lot of ways. And I'll talk about this more when we get to the doctors.
0: So, hey, welcome to the beginning of the Ellen Burstyn show. Here she appears in a lol, highly flammable nightwear moment to smoke (laughs) in, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's the 70s, isn't it?
0: But we have the noises in the attic trope. Yes. Heaven is angry.
1: Oh, that's interesting,
2: because mm. my,
1: my references for Noises in Attic in genre mm-hmm. are the Owl Service, which predates this, Kay. and Suspiria, which postdates it. Mm-hmm. It's domestic as well. It's a domestic space. It, it, to me, it suggests right off problems at home.
0: Okay, that's nice. Yes. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> but you went for the upstairs, like the man upstairs is angry. Yes. Which I can also see.
0: Partly the man upstairs is angry. Partly there's always someone mad in the attic. Oh, yeah. The the mad person is rarely in the basement. The evil's in the basement. That's the mad true, person but the mad is
1: wife the is, to, is put upstairs.
0: Yes. It's a really good vantage point to watch people. We had serial killers around in the 70s that had the specific MO of living in the attic. So wow. we're playing on a generational fear. <laughs> we have... The fact that you always hear rats and bats and everyone excuses it as rats and bats, even though it's a terrifying sound. (laughs) Yeah. Or mice or something. You know, there's always something that lives in the attic. Well, it's rats
1: here, isn't it? She says it's rats.
0: Yes. (laughs) My face, dear listener.
1: (laughs) Not here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, yes.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) it's also very acoustic in an attic at times despite the insulation but particularly in the 70s I don't know maybe asbestos really carries the sound but (laughs) it will seem louder because it's being echoed around wood up there Mm -hmm. and all the other bits and she knows it's not a rat because it doesn't sound like a rat she's heard rats but no one's really taking her seriously in the small tiny little scene that this is where she hears the noises she tries to report it to her staff and all the rest of it we get everything about her from it. We get everything about her character. It's a very short, sharp moment. By the way, Ellen Burstyn, did you know where I recognised her from in the end?
1: No, I did not. Where did you recognise her from? She is the
0: mum in Requiem for a Dream. Wow. She is going to be on television. Diet pills addicted, I fridge chatting mum. is that. Isn't it wild? Oh, that's wonderful. What an incredible actor. Well,
1: she's great here, yeah.
0: right? Yeah, Really?
1: There's, it's it's a film full of strong performances, often from people you haven't really heard of. Or you'd, you know, Max von Sido is like the marquee name, if you'd like. I suppose he's the biggest actor in it. I would say at the
0: time, yes, but I would say actually, Linda Blair's probably more famous now.
1: I suppose so. Yeah, mm. fair enough, but but not before this. No. Uh, of course, we, we all remember her as S Club Seven's landlord in Miami Seven. I'm sure. You
0: hurt us all with that. <laughs> I'm not Googling to see if you're right or wrong. I don't want that in my search history. Go on. I'm pretty,
1: I think it's her. Hello, this is Ben in the edit, just popping in to point out that I was wrong, and it is LA7, the S Club 7 sequel to Miami 7, when they move from Miami to LA, where she plays their landlord. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this made her a star, right? She was Oscar nominated for it. But the rest of the cast were not... I'm not, I'm not doing them down, right? There's excellent work from everyone. Yeah. These, are, these were not household names.
0: But no, dead right. But and it's in a fact um performance. Yes, it really is. And in this moment the dynamic is the here. We know she's rich, she has staff. Yep. We know she's moody the way they respond to her, yeah. they know we know that she doesn't listen to the staff because they're a bit foreign. Like, we know that they don't <laughs> listen to her because she's well rich and white. Yeah, so like, there's and
1: highly strung. I think highly is strung
0: constantly. There's always something up. Everybody's got a different opinion. And then the thing I really love about this film, and I'm not sure why I love it so much because it doesn't feature often, but I love the film within a film business.
1: Yeah, because we we follow her to work at this point where she's making yeah the Walt Disney version of the Ho Chi Minh story. Which I wrote down because I just can't imagine what that film would be like. Mm. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: (laughs) There's a director cameo in here as well from Freakin', which is quite nice. Yes. He's not the director though, is he? No, but he's He's the the man
1: saying, is this scene really necessary, can we cut
2: it?
0: Yes, and I think that's because we cut more from her being in film at work. Because when you said before that there was a lot of uh, discomfort and a little discontentment around the author and the director, yeah. I think the author wanted to cut mm. that scene, or vice versa. Possibly. One of them wanted to get rid of it, and he cut
1: Genera- Generally, the, um, the work print ran a bit longer, because this mm. comes in just under two hours. I think it's 153 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, Friedkin was... Obsessed is too strong. With Friedkin was strongly desirous of having it under two hours okay and it meant that he cut a few bits that Blatty wasn't happy about
0: oh okay in which case it's that way
1: but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was that case for everything it could be that this scene was put in by Friedkin because he's from a movie background of course Blatty's a novelist he did the screenplay
0: and we have vicar Jason Miller scuttling about in the background who we will meet later? Oh but yes, we, see we can start following of, him here. Yes. He
1: because he yes, we're just meeting everybody. It's not immediately clear who's going to be important later.
0: Mm. There's foreshadowing and worrying and a lot of furrowed brows and mm. muttering on corners and things. He already looks like a stressed out kind of mini Sylvester Stallone.
1: And again, we see it's it's you pointing this out about Reagan's mother has made me see that when we immediately start following. Father Karras, the, mm. the vicar he is accosted by a beggar at the station yes. and he appears disgusted by him very weary. The beggar says, you know can you help help an old altar boy an old altar an boy. old altar boy you know I'm a Catholic and he he turns away from him sort of disgusted and it, it, it it's a nice little bit of shorthand for f- spiritual turmoil. Right? Oh yes, not a man of course. at ease with his Catholic faith. Or his vocation.
0: Yeah, but he also doesn't believe... I think the revulsion... I think, again, you can read that either way. I do believe the revulsion is that he... The homeless man read him from a mile off and just lied. Right. For money. Oh, okay. I didn't think it was because a homeless man was Catholic. Could be. And it could be, but I didn't read it that way. I read it that he's already existing in a world that's tarnished and gross Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he's wearing his dog collar in public, which he doesn't normally do. Uh-huh. He only actually dog collars up when he's about to see his mother.
1: Right. Or when he's at work.
0: Or when he's at work. But you know, like. But yeah, well, no, we see him he, out
1: of in Mufti the rest of the time right yeah. now. Yeah.
0: And then the minute he does, he's accosted for something, somebody wants something yeah. from him. And he's still just like, I don't even know if I like this stuff. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who knows? But yeah. I think you're right. There's. no, but no it, I can see that as well.
1: But yes, he's not. I think it's fair to say he's not at ease with the spiritual life. In no. the way that some of the other clergymen will meet, and do seem in some ways, right?
0: Linda Blair enters <coughs> here. She's an interesting pick. She's incredibly natural. Yes, and the relationship yes. between Linda Blair and Ellen Burstyn is incredibly natural. Mm. It really looks like mother daughter stuff. Um, later on, during some medical stuff, <laughs> the nurse that comes in is Linda Blair's mother. Oh, that's good. So she's obviously on set and around and things are quite comfortable. I'm aware that she did in the interview for the role, Linda Blair, one, it was Linda Blair that asked to be in it. Yeah. Not the mother. (laughs) Two, it was the mother saying, I will be present for all of this. I don't trust what's happening. I don't like it, but I want to be here for it.
1: it. It's a hell of a script to get, isn't it? It is. If you're a mother of an actor. And how old was Linda? Twelve. I mean... Yeah.
0: Yes. So, having checked, she is sort of thirteen ish at time of filming. Possibly twelve when they started. Could be twelve when she went for interview. She definitely picked it. She actually had read it and liked it. Wow. Goth girl. <laughs> and her mother was very cautious, but she said as long as she's there for every step of the process and I think there's no better way to be there than to actually be in it. In the film, yeah. So <laughs> So that worked. But I was shocked by how believable the mother daughter connection is. And then yes, I've put father. Could you help an old altar boy? Yeah. And then the
1: the mother-daughter stuff here is important that we get this now to give us a sense of Reagan unpossessed.
0: Yes, there's a nice foreshadowing of the mother tackling the daughter to the ground and restraining her, even though they're doing it in play.
1: Yes, of course. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, good point.
0: And Reagan's already stronger than her mother Mm -hmm. at that point, but not by much. You know, it's sort of they're playing, so. The mums sort of saying, "Give it, like, give me this thing that you've stolen," and Reagan's laughing because she knows that the mum can just take it because it's a cute mother-daughter moment rather than. It's not. It's not antagonistic. Trying to do anything horrendous.
1: She's she's jonesing for a horse quite hard, but you know, (laughs) nothing wrong with that. But she's a twelve-year-old. Yeah,
0: who would quite like a pony? Oh, mother, she's she's. Really interestingly played because I don't feel like she's playing a good child in inverted commas. Yeah, I feel like she's playing like a natural kid in where you would be shocked that she behaved inapproprii- <laughs> yeah. inappropriately.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And if Linda Blair wasn't as good, the whole film would fall apart. Like Absolutely. The, we'll, we'll come to later and I realise it's, it's going to be a long one, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the, Reagan, the performance of Reagan is really down to three people. But like, if this wasn't done well, and if she wasn't, if she wasn't so natural and good, mm-hmm. the film wouldn't work, right? It's no. a really central thing.
0: I find Father Karras' life deeply depressing on every level. There are no subtitles when he talks to his mum. Nice mm-hmm. touch. So yeah. that we don't know, but they know, they have a connection, they speak to each other.
2: Yeah.
0: It also makes it more disorienting when possessed Linda Blair starts going on in different languages yeah. because we're not sure, unless you speak... Italian, which is what he's speaking to mm-hmm. his mother. You're not going to get that. It's yeah. just going to be more things that you don't know. She knows he's worried, which is really sweet. She keeps saying, what's bothering you? What's worrying you? Why are you, you yeah. know? And he won't let her through anywhere and then is just trying to care for her. He turns the radio down. You know, he does all the things that an adult child would do taking care of their mother. It's very clear that she doesn't want to go in a home. It's very yeah. clear that he's worried about her and it's very clear there's another sibling who's not in some way, there's another relative who's not pulling their weight. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the setup. Yeah. Very small house, very sad. Very dark house. Then we have casual Ouija boy. We flash back to mother and daughter. We flash back to Chris McNeil, the mum, and Reagan.
2: Yeah.
0: And they're chatting in the basement while, for some reason... Chris McNeil is folding laundry, despite having an entire staff and household. (laughs) Interesting, right? So she's trying to play a mum. She does that quite a bit, where she's playing the role of mother, and then can break out of it. Now, here's the kicker, and here's what I wanted to say here, is that this is our first ever, we need a fanfare, our first ever attentive mother. Attentive mother, in horror.
1: You're right. Mm. Yeah, she she does nothing like
2: very wrong.
0: The most she does wrong is drop the mother mask. And she does it within earshot because yeah. she's going through a divorce. Her husband's just left her. Yeah. And because she's in a highly stressful job, old oh, P.S., her daughter's possessed. Oh, s- sorry. Her daughter's sick, and it's hinted at that she's been getting sicker. Yes. But they're not sure what with.
1: Like, the progress of Regan's malady yes. is something that fell victim to freaking Heavy
0: cutting, I know.
1: And I think it absolutely works here. Mm, mm. But that's why that's why there's a few bits where things seem to move very, very fast. Mm. Uh, there was originally more, and Friedkin divined quite correctly, I think, that these other scenes weren't necessary, that you picked up everything. You didn't need to see another hospital visit.
0: We could have done with her being in some way medicated previously.
1: But we have the scene where a mother takes her to bed later, and I'll, maybe I'm jumping ahead. I know. But, it doesn't. I know. but, but when Chris puts Reg to bed after she's been acting up a little... She says, remember, it's your nerves, like the doctor said, just take the pills. Yes, I know. And that's the, that's the consultation that was cut that we don't get to see.
2: Mm.
1: But you probably don't need it because, because that scene is there and it's referring back to it, but it doesn't, it's not really a continuity error because it's just something we haven't seen.
0: Yeah. We're also shown that she makes funny little figurines. She's quite artistic. She's quite cute. She's working with clay. She's trying to be creative her mother's creative they're very much a wealthy family well to do etc then we have a ouija board moment obviously she's just randomly found this ouija board in a house that they live in and they didn't know they owned so that's planted by a devil isn't it but obviously please don't do ouija boards listeners I don't care how funny or cool it is like wear it as a necklace fine but if you get a tattoo on your head be it like I'm not (laughs) I'm not a fan I don't like them Poundland shouldn't have sold them (laughs) the end but Captain Howdy arrives and Captain Howdy I was reading about this a little while ago is The idea behind it being Captain Howdy, supposedly, is that in a scene immediately after this, Reagan is reading a newspaper report about her own father having left her and her mother. And they do call him Howard. So it is this kind of... It's the demon's way in. It's saying, look, I'm just like your dad. It's trying Mm -hmm. to relate. She needs a replacement father figure. Captain Howdy arrives. It's interesting how much Captain Howdy and Tony, the imaginary friend... In The Shining of Danny, the little boy. Imaginary,
1: in in scare quotes. In
0: quote quotes, Because it's his own finger that talks to him. It's a very similar thing. Tony could either be created from the mind of a child that is uprooted and feels no connection to their father figure and therefore creates one, or Mm -hmm. could be the manifestation of a horrible hotel ghost in the same (laughs) way that we could have Pazuzu coming through to fiddle about with Linda Blair, or Daddy just left and we're freaking out. Yeah, why not both?
1: And exactly, yes. Why do you have to choose? <laughs> uh, you can have both. I want to talk about the next scene because this is where Mum finds Reagan reading a magazine with with this picture on the front that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and Chris says it's not a good picture of Reagan and says you look so mature to Reagan, Ooh. which is significant to me because it's immediately thereafter that Reagan brings up the idea of uh, Chris marrying book and yes. and that you know it's not what she says it's not what I've heard I've heard that you're more than friends and it's the comment you look so mature that is it's like it's time for this week's episode of ben find something unusually sexual in a horror film oh. but it's like is <laughs> is the whole film about the horror of emergent sexuality of of a young girl all of these things are changes in the body and changes in the mind and how people talk about their teenagers and how they don't understand who they are anymore Mm. it's like they've been possessed is this an element here
0: it is an element i agree it's an element it's a very loud element (laughs) but not to say it's completely obvious blah 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 but this is why i said make sure you've met children when this happens in the same way that you need to have babysat i think to truly understand the innocence on the Uh, level that it's intended or nannied you need to have met children for things like the shining or the ring or any of these things that we have featured because the children are wrong in these films and more often than not the wrongness is a sense of adulthood that is too early that's been the theme it's instilled adultness and it's witnessing the horror of adult life Echoed in a child, which is obviously hating all the things or fearing all the things that you hate about yourself and seeing them put in front of you in the form of something that's supposed to be innocent, right? Sure. Reagan is an extremely innocent bystander. She's innocent to the chaos with her father, she's innocent to her mother being famous and trying to find love, and she's innocent of being sort of invaded by. A demon. Yeah. But none of that excuses the fact that she is, it, you know, none of that takes away from the fact that she is 12 or 13 and therefore coming into the double digits puberty time that would make all those changes happen anyway, except all the horrified parents of teenagers that went to see this and went, oh God, this is the nightmare. <laughs> That it would be that my child, my beautiful little angel, overnight on their 13th birthday, yeah. Kevin and Perry style, will become a slobbering, masturbating, disease ridden mess
1: demon, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> that doesn't even speak my language anymore. Yes, yeah. so it's yeah. extended and expanded to the point of madness. We have oh, the music's so loud, but it translates as the bed is banging, yeah, you know, all this stuff. So
1: that's sexually suggestive in itself, right? It
0: is, it is. But I do think it's about <laughs> if it's okay. I'll put it this way: if it's about that, it's also about the fear of the first boyfriend.
1: Oh, very nice. Mm. Yeah.
0: The corrupting male.
1: Sure. Mm. Yeah.
0: Just saying.
1: No, that's it. <laughs> it's that's an excellent point, well made. But that's why I thought this was important. It's just because definitely, it's, it's just it's just before. It's just. It's just when we're about to lose this Reagan, if that mm.
0: makes sense.
2: Um.
0: We are in the bar. We're, <laughs> we're being a priest, smoking in a bar. Yeah. Wanting out of the game and losing faith. He's trying to be honest. He's reaching out to people and they're all very religious. So they're not really hearing. Yeah. This is an inner city priest. This isn't your country bumpkin walking across chamomile lawns priest. Mm-hmm. This is, I work with the roughest of the rough. I am exhausted. I have to look like a boxer to get by.
2: Well, he, I mean, he
1: he trains like, you know, he yeah. looks like a boxer. He is a boxer. Like, he, you yeah. can see him in the gym later on.
0: It's interesting because it feels like he is a child of the checkered past. I know we, we see his mother in poverty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it feels like he's grown up in this environment and sort of been dragged up in,
2: yeah, in the in poor the, in part the of town. Cares, yeah. yeah,
0: and he understands them. But... He's not being heard by anyone that is like literally. It's their job to listen, and it feels like the inner city teacher where they say in the staff room like I can't do this anymore, Van, and the other <laughs> teachers are like we do this for money, you yeah. know. In this case, it's we do this for faith, and yeah. you should be too.
1: Yeah, but which is all very well and is well, it's more than very well, right? It's it's true and it's noble and all of these things. Yeah, but that only works if you have that face.
0: yes oh p.s teachers are grossly underpaid i'm i'm mm-hmm. saying this as a trope not as a fact
1: it's <laughs> just true as well
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a little brief snippet where he looks disappointed by everything in the world around him he does have one of those faces he looks a bit like a beagle actually He's yeah, quite yeah. sad looking but then reagan having to hear her mum be angry about howard mr McNeil, her dad yeah, because he misses her birthday. He misses Reagan's birthday, so Reagan's already disappointed. Her dad's missed her birthday. Mm-hmm. Now she has to hear her mum like scream shouting on the phone to him, with kind of sexy Sharon in the background. You oh know, yeah, sexy Sharon. She's kind of French him.
1: hot. Yeah, just floats through the film. Doesn't, Freckly doesn't do Beautiful. an awful lot, but yeah, and and it's it's a film with not a lot of like ostentatious camera moves or anything Mm. like that but it's a really nice dolly shot when we go from Chris on the phone through the door to where Reagan is against the wall just taking it all in
0: yeah being sad it's a
1: lovely little shot
0: so sad and I put Reagan's mum is a really interesting character study in herself there are so many things that are incongruent with her character Mm mm-hmm but they all fit together to create a complex person really quickly a believable human being really quickly but i think it's important to note she's an actor
1: as a
2: like her, character, her character is an character, actor yeah is
0: an actor. so she's simultaneously deeply capable she's making connections at parties she's here she's around she's hosting shit soon you know we're we're nearly in hosty bit Yep. she's incredibly forthright she speaks she has a sense of humor she's able to laugh and relax when she's taking it too seriously at work you know they say that's enough and she just laughs and collapses into the director you know all of this stuff she takes her work very seriously yeah she's good at separating life and work but she does it in such a way that she's to the detriment of being able to connect with Reagan about it, because obviously Reagan's like, "I've seen your life in the papers, mother." <laughs> she's like, "Nope, can't be me." Yeah, and and
1: I wondered why, because we get that scene of her at work, you know, early yeah. on, and then it never comes up again. And I did wonder why it's there, mm. and I think it is to give this more rounded view of what she's like, because we see her in a professional yes. situation than we see her in her home situation yes. before any of the drama. Well head. also
0: she then unravels steadily mm. but we wouldn't know she was unravelling because if she started neurotic she would just appear as a neurotic mother. Yeah, exactly. So she's very screamy, very used to getting what she wants, very annoyed that not everybody has sort of moved around her to cater for this situation but she's actually justified in her rage to a point she just shouldn't be saying it so loud or yeah. so close to the girl who's actually meant her, to be upset. Her,
1: her, Like her child on her birthday. Exactly. Yeah, you don't do that.
0: What else was it about? But here's the kicker. So we are deeply avoidant of, or we're trying to protect our kid, but, you know, it manifests as avoidant of those conversations about her personal life with her child, which means, I have to say, that that would have been one of those awful situations where... The parents won't talk about their separation to the child. The child hears it all through the walls.
1: Yeah, and it's, or you know from the newspapers
0: because
1: we—that's what she's reading, right?
0: Yeah, it says something like "Leaves wife and child." You know, leaves yeah. Chris and Reagan. But here's the thing: immediately opens the attic door. She's avoidant of things like she's she's quite fearful. She's quite.
2: Oh, yes. She holds
0: back with the kid because the kid is precious and the kid's life is precious to her. She's trying to, again, because she's a good, in inverted commas, good mother. Yeah. In a horror film, she puts herself at risk again and again without a second thought.
2: Yeah.
0: But tries to do everything to the detriment of the daughter to protect Reagan from... Things that could harm her,
2: yeah, men, no, and she men
0: or relationships, yeah, or but she,
1: when when Reagan is ill and going through the mm. hospital, she is always fighting her corner, and I don't see that as being like performative. Like, Not at all. Like she's her genuinely... concern is is real, mm. and she's trying to bust heads to to make her daughter better.
0: She's also entitled and rich. Like it's, yeah. it's all really put Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's a, she's a well. It's well, it's just good work. It's a well-made film.
0: <laughs> so, why, why, why would you open the attic door? She has a look around. Fine, nothing there really. Mm-hmm. There's a big burst of the candle flame.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is odd.
0: I loved it. It actually looks like it makes the actress jump as well.
1: Yeah, well, it might do. The it probably does. Longer. They <laughs> probably didn't tell her. <laughs> no, I told her about it
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: I love the big candle burst theme because it's another very easily explainable oddity, and this film is full of them. The first half is full uh, of things that could be explained away by normal practical stuff. You know, I loved it in *Rosemary's Baby*, yeah, where you make all these kind of, you know, middle class excuses for abnormalities. Yeah, we're like probably rats, probably this *Rosemary's Baby*, probably just weird neighbors, probably a coincidence, and then yeah, Bleh. but in this film that candle just fits it's just oh candle sputter but it's horribly timed it makes a jump out of their skin it makes you yeah. jump out of your skin because it is a jump scare but in a really subtle way yes and it turns out like the interruption is the guy that's like rats <laughs> <laughs> and putting traps down yeah so hey guess what what cone boobs on Mary. Oh yes, this is a very brief... It is.
1: Uh, scene.
0: But I've got a theory. Please. It was suggested <laughs> by a source, by a couple of sources, that it was Reagan. Ah. It matches the clay she uses to make the bird that she shows her mum.
1: Oh, that's such a nice... Well, it's a horrible idea but it's a really nice
0: yes so it's meant to be the defilement of this church everyone's mortified there's boobs and a penis or something on the virgin mary made out of what looked like melted traffic cones but it's orange and white and and there's
1: and there's like red it looks like blood you know it's covered in red paint or something in places as well yeah yeah
0: but this is what's being investigated by our dopey policeman yes He's interesting. Well, he's, he looks like a basset hound. Everyone can yeah. be played by dogs.
1: Yeah, it's true. He's a policeman in the Colombo mode, you know, where they're like <laughs> sort of quite ruffled, but also not quick, but they just don't give up. They just keep sort of t- knocking away at a thing until mm-hmm. he solves it. Literally called Kinder Man as well, Kinderman.
0: Oh, you know, very nice. like,
1: you know, Kinder Man is, is his name. You know, the, the male figures in this film are mm. priests. So, you know, celibate father, but only in a spiritual sense.
0: And then father, like absent father.
1: He got the absent father who never shows up, and Burke, who turns up at this party this event happened, being an absolute prick.
0: He is awful, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, we'll yeah. come <laughs> back to it. So, we are witnessing the defilement of the church. Everyone's shocked. Obviously, I don't think we actually meet the policeman at that point, sorry. Uh, that's the other vicar. Is showing
1: yes. Is this is this father of Manly? Is this um, no? It's no. an older man. But somebody finds the desecrated statue of, of the Virgin. Yep,
0: yeah. and shows Timmy. They keep calling him Timmy. Who's Timmy? Damien. Ah. Carus. Dimmy. Dimmy. Yeah, yeah. But I heard Timmy, Timmy all the way through. Timmy, of
1: course. That, there we go. Yes, that makes sense.
0: But. Dimmy wants and badly needs out, and desecration of Mary's statue isn't helping. Also, P.S., Mama's in the home. Without yeah. his consent.
1: Well, she's in this horrific place, because it's his brother. It's
0: called the 70s. <laughs> yeah. But is his brother it's there, his he makes the hospital? That's um, his uncle. That's her brother.
1: Right, yes. And uh, all my note on this visit is it just underlines to Father Caris that as well as not being something he likes, it's also pure, poorly remunerated. He's, yes. uh, we find out at some point that he's also like a trained psychiatrist. Yes. So yeah. presumably could be earning, if not top dollar, certainly more than he's making at the uh, seminary or wherever he is. And it's like, oh, I want to, he wants to do more for his mother, but he can't because he's got no cash.
0: Yes, absolutely. The uncle bullies him for not having cash, but actually the uncle is dressed very dowdily and has been mentioned earlier that he's borrowed more money from mother. Yeah. So he is also part of the problem and an awful person. Yeah, and, but also, he, um, and also
1: if he had pots and pots of money, he could also, you know, I don't think he's a monster. Like if he was rich, he would pay for better care for his sister, but of course he's not.
0: <laughs> I guess, but she makes excuses for him the way she makes excuses for her son. So yeah. it makes no, yeah, sense yeah. that everybody could have been taking advantage of her. Father Carus arrives, she won't look at him. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. No, it's
1: quite un- it's quite unpleasant.
0: I then put Dimmy the Bilt priest, because he is built. <laughs> Got the money for a boxing gym membership, though.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oops.
1: Yeah, but this is what I mean when you said that. He dresses like a boxer, he looks like a boxer. He has some boxing skills. Like he's, a, he's a tough, he's a physically tough guy. Mm-hmm. But it is mentally that he's struggling.
0: So we then flash to the party.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And I said, ah, oh, is this to illustrate how the other half live?
1: It's certainly a noticeable contrast, isn't mm. it, from the poverty and the sadness and the the end of life care for yes. a priest's mother
0: and we have Burke f- starting fights with everyone, he's yeah. very drunk, and mm. every time he starts a fight, the fighting dog noise happens good point, which makes me wonder if perhaps it's the demon sure having a having a bash is there anything in
1: like folklore about like that dog's like detecting? evil demons things like yeah, that. yeah
0: well there's a classic thing that dogs detect ghosts dogs can tell when you have bad vibes there's the idea right. that people had shih tzus in their sleeves Do you know about this no very ancient <laughs> emperors the oh. rumor is that they would have a dog in each is it a shih tzu or a Pekinese? might be a pikinese they would have a an ugly dog in each <laughs> sleeve and if the dog ground you got killed because wow. you had bad vibes it makes me so happy, and I want a dog in each sleeve.
1: <laughs> no more killing, Angel. <laughs>
0: oh, dogs! Uh, but then I put gay priest on the piano. Question mark. He's very queer coded.
1: Oh yes, he just loves to perform. Doesn't he, he
0: loves to perform, but he's the real vicar, isn't he? He's the real priest.
1: Is that him? Yes, that Father Dwyer. Father Dyer.
0: Father Dyer, real priest. I want to talk about him later because he's very interesting. There's an interesting thing that happened with the director with him, oh, interesting. but he is, I think, deeply queer coded. And I'm not sure that the actor knew that, <laughs> but I do think that it's one of the things that would have made Damien or Caras, rather, Father Karis, even less happy about The Last <laughs> Rites being read by him
1: fair enough makes sense it does It does. I
0: think it probably I mean again Father Caris is definitely put in there as I accept everybody everyone's welcome at the church you know that kind of he's got that down I don't think he's I don't think he's judgmental in that way I think from a religious aspect if you're going to queer code a priest you are also adding that into the mix of like things that are wrong with your religion (laughs) when you want to leave it you know yes
1: yeah it's fair enough I mean I do want to talk a little bit about like the theology of uh, the film Because he, it's Father William O'Malley, as Father Dwyer, as you say, a a real priest playing a priest. And also technical advisor to the film. Yeah. And this is a, a weirdly, like a very Christian film. Like the theology of it is devoutly and seriously Christian. Mm -hmm. I believe that a fair amount of it is if i say true that seems <laughs> odd but that you know that the, the...
0: It's, it involves real practices thank you That's yeah
1: well it was inspired do you have anything about the inspiration of the of the film because platy read about an exorcism of a, a boy in 50s america
0: that makes sense Pazuzu's a real god
1: right not um, mentioned in the film it's only from um the book the book
0: and um, number 2 it's mentioned in number 2 right. it's actually named
1: that makes sense but um, um, but he wanted to do a, a a documentary i think about um about this real case but the family didn't want the publicity understandably yes so it was that was the spark point if you'd like for this fictional storytelling mm-hmm. a a similar story but i believe from interviews that the idea was this was a, a documented possession case in modern times, which was yes. sort of desi- and the idea of it was like well that means that God is real because if Yes, if well, demons are real as I said real, about the
0: faith in the beginning, yes.
1: Exactly, the confrontation coming up at the end only works if you accept that that's what is happening here, that it's a, it's a demon and you know Christianity if you'd like is the way to combat it. Yeah
0: well that's, well Interesting.
1: It's just something to um, it's something to is. think about. Something I wanted to, to be clear as well. To toss in here at this point.
0: Yeah, I wanted to be clear as well. That's um, Pazuzu is an ancient Mesopotamian king of the demons of the wind. Lovely. He represented the southwestern wind, the bearer of storms and drought. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So hence the desert, and it is actually a statue of him.
1: Right. So the the with one the snake that penis. is found. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, the snake penis one, the big one. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to put in there that having religion win in some way is the only way you would get a film like this made at this time. Fair enough. I'm aware that it's based on a thing, you know. Yeah. But we couldn't, for example, possibly, although we will, I will, suggest that in Killing Himself, he did the final... Terrible faith thing that gets you put into hell immediately and he deliberately tried to take a demon to hell with him. Well,
1: that's interesting I'll talk about that when we get there because there's Well, I'll talk about it now. Why the hell not? (laughs) Yeah, again per the Kermode book the Filmmakers worried and wondered about changing the ending because they thought it wasn't made clear enough that this was a Sacrifice which is noble and you go to heaven for rather than a, a suicide which sends you to hell. Uh. Um, so they, they thought that maybe they'd overdone the misery of Caris's life. I'm just ignoring the motorbikes. The misery of Karras' life to make think that make people think that he wanted to die. When you when if you read it that way, then trapped in hell eternally with the demon, and that's no good at all. Whereas if you read it as a a noble sacrifice to save others, he's in the clear. Which changes. Depending on how you read that, and they had certainly they're on record as having Thought a preferred one, yeah. But of course, that doesn't mean that they're right, <laughs> you know. No, uh, <laughs> and I also
0: but, think that 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 they absolutely wiped out that interpretation of it being a good thing in one very tiny motion when the a live priest at the end mm-hmm. is saying look, I know you didn't want to do this and start saying all the things that would essentially forgive him. You know, what do you need to forgive him for? He squeezes the priest's hand in and it seems to be in response to the question. But then he squeezes the priest's hand again. So it is just a muscle response. We don't have somebody consenting to this. We have somebody just gripping because they're dying. And that to me is his comforting the alive priest Saying I want this mm-hmm. Which is awful And dark Again yeah. sorry everyone But I really believe it's a, I'll take him to hell with me I want to I want to go anyway It's my time I, I I have no faith Right If you've lost faith No I
1: don't read it that way
0: If you've I mean he should have Essentially it should be That he regained faith Watching The exorcism happen and work Yeah
1: Yeah and But he being didn't with, Being with Father Merrin Well
0: Father Merrin dies
1: I know and and, and, it, and it makes him lose his rag right and yeah there was a in, this, in the script in the screenplay there was a conversation between the two of them on the stairs midway through the exorcism which was the scene that Blatty was most upset about being cut because he thought that you needed a bit more between yes, them yes for to, him to
0: be so angry to, at to, the end to, to,
1: to exactly and to make their position a bit clearer and Friedkin said that it's not important that everything you need is in the film and I don't know if it's possible for them both to be right, but I think they might be both right because everything you need. But yeah, but but and everything that you need is in there. Like you can interpret that, and I think it's richer for being able to interpret it in different yeah. ways, and that bit of ambiguity.
0: We got well ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Meanwhile,
1: there. at a party, a party at the McNeil place.
0: The party is swinging with a big gay priest on the piano, Indeed, and then and a very
1: drunk, <laughs> <asshole> taking fights. <laughs> With, el- with the elderly retainer uh, but To then... which
0: Reagan, party peepier Party
1: Peepia. Yep,
0: Says You're going to die up there And then wheeze herself all over the carpet mm. She's really not the worst horror mum We've seen by a long way I keep commenting on it because yeah. her immediate response is Wow, you're not okay What's wrong, honey? Takes her upstairs. Yeah. The maid cleans up the wee because we're rich.
1: Because, yeah, yeah. But it's not it's not an embarrassed disgust of like get her get out of here and, you know, get one of the staff to take her away. She, yeah, she goes to her.
0: It's been she's been sick. She's yeah. she's been really unwell. And everyone's cool with that. You know, it's shock and it shocks everybody out of the situation. Yeah. But the she's been unwell is so genuine that it's it, it it's as you say yes it's not a disgusted thing the shaking bed stuff
2: mm.
0: is haunting
1: it's the first like supernatural thing that we've seen I think
0: mm.
1: there's been reports of things like the desecration of the statue but which is done by human hands yep. right? whereas this is the first thing that we see on camera yeah. that is um, inexplicable Well I say that, I mean the the doctors say that it's muscle spasms right?
0: Yeah, she said it's muscle spasms She's like, I saw her, it's not muscle spasms And the doctor says The problem with your daughter is not her bed It's her brain Yeah But, you know, they're all talking around a table. It's all very white. Everyone's in white coats. The mum's starting to really look harangued now. Like, she's starting to really... This is the second time we've had the bed shaking mentioned because at some point, Reagan gets into bed with her mother.
1: Yeah, says, I couldn't sleep. My bed was shaking. The
0: bed was shaking. And she says it in such a horrible way. Like, this is just a thing that's happening to me. But also, it's the question mark behind it. Like, my bed was shaking? Yeah. (laughs) What? Um, Now we're with the doctor's. We've witnessed the shaking bed. It's freaked her out. But then we flash to pre-stream and it's awful. The dream sequence. Yes. Of... Oh,
1: so Father Karras' mother has died.
0: Yes. It's so beautifully done, this scene. Isn't it? It's so an actual nightmare. The not being able to be heard. The fact that he's witnessed her going to hell. That's his nightmare. Yeah. Right? And,
1: and it's like from across the street. It just really feels like a dream. Yeah. And you, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's awful. But yeah. she yeah, she gets she's trying to speak to him from, from a far distance away. He's trying to get to her. She comes up the stairs and he's like, Oh and thinks he's caught her mm-hmm. but then she just turns around and goes, goes down, down them and exactly. he's like freaking out.
1: Yeah, I know, and you say she goes to hell, which is the sort of classic dream interpretation <laughs> thing a bit. But they don't do anything as crass as no. having like you know, her being prodded with a pitchfork with flames or anything. No, they, they just the have a proper... walk
0: into the metro station, yeah. into the subway. Subway, the
1: underground. Well, yeah. also
0: he's just been—he was in the underground when he saw that homeless guy. So it's yeah. it's a perfect, weirdly a perfect artistic interpretation of a dream rather yeah. than a dream interpretation. No,
1: exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We also see the metal or one of the things, little metal thing. Yeah. which I think is the one dug up in the prologue.
0: Is it a Saint Christopher? It's a. It's one of those. It's yes. Like a,
1: it's yeah of that. Yeah of that ilk.
0: It's a protective emblem, really mm-hmm. from. Religious iconography as a coin, as a yeah, as a little pendant. Mm-hmm. But also, we see little flashes interspersed in this dream of a white-faced kind of ghoul. It's based on a a kabuki mask, I believe. Yes, and yeah, that's right. it's meant to be Pazuzu in pure form. But the trailers for The Exorcist were actually banned in certain places. Because the trailer was just that face flashing over and over, and then just a black screen, and then The Exorcist comes up, which is just—it gives me goosebumps. It's what a genius of marketing to do that! Of course, you're going to get banned, and of course, like six people that have seen it are going to tell everyone. Yeah, perfect. The internet wasn't a thing; you couldn't just pause it and be like, "This is fine." No, you know? yeah, you, you,
1: exactly. <laughs> we watched it on on DVD. Yeah, and yeah, because you couldn't go back because it was one of the rumors about Do you have anything about this about the old subliminal yes yeah. image thing it was one of the stories well it's I,
0: why they banned that what well, that was their justification for banning it because yeah. subliminals were already banned at that point yeah
1: and there was a big there was a, a, a big hoo-ha as well about like the old the the idea of mm. subliminals controlling the audience and telling them to kill and the old backwards records thing yeah, and the idea you sort of you play Stairway to Heaven backwards, it'll give you satanic messages. <laughs> it was all happening around about this time. So yeah.
2: Mm.
1: But so, we, we the dream sequence is fantastic. And then we very quickly cut to the
0: horrible, horrible, horrible.
1: The horrible, horrible, horrible hospital scenes. The pacing of this film as I say, it's quite choppy, but it really works. It really barrels you along.
0: Linda Blair is swearing, which is cute. It yep. shouldn't be, but it is. There's a lot of smoking in this film, which as an ex-smoker hit me hard. Hmm. I put Lorks, because I've been hanging around with you too much, <laughs> this horrible medical <laughs> nonsense. Hate, 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 hate. So much bloody. So, nasty, nasty medical procedure. Turns out it's a real thing. I can't pronounce the name of it, could you?
1: Oh, I've forgotten it. <laughs>
0: but it's roughly it's otherwise known as...
1: Is it an arteriogram?
0: No, it's much longer than that. Oh. But it's roughly, it's sometimes known as air treatment in some way. It's got air, like as in right. AIR. But it's about cutting into bits and pieces. I just, I don't want to even talk about it. Well, I anecdotally, hate it. <laughs> yes. this
1: scene, this sequence caused more distress in cinemas in 1973 when it was first run yeah. than scenes of. Masturbation or vomiting green goo or any of these other things. This yep. was the thing that really, really upset people. And I'm not saying they're wrong in that. I realise that by saying, you know, people weren't as distressed by a girl's head turning all the way around or any of that. I mean,
0: I'm down with that. I'm, I'm down, down with that. I think it's because it hits something that everybody can relate to rather than just, for example, parents or children or, you know, or
2: yeah.
0: d- regardless of gender, colour and creed. It's going to freak you out to have a nasty uh, operation. It's going to freak you out to have that at 12 where you're aware enough to know what's happening, but yeah. no one tells you anything. No, and she's
1: dist- Regan, the character, is in distress.
0: <laughs> yes. It's uh, beautiful noises again, really nice soundscape. We are looking at, like, amazing mechanical x-ray noises. It's all very hammering again. Yes,
1: exactly, bringing yeah. up the hammering from the prologue again.
0: Mm-hmm. But then there's this whole bit with the flick about... With with the flick about, how does she shake like that? Oh. How does she go up, down, up, down? That's core strength and a half, isn't yeah. it? It's not even sped up. She's just literally flicking about in a bed.
1: Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's really yeah. well done. And then to...
0: screaming, It's burning. Yeah. Help me mummy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mother, I think.
1: It reminded me of the ring and well the the American ring and the surveillance tapes of
0: Yes. Young Samara Samara. I yeah couldn't work that out, and no more bloody injections. I've put like please stop putting things no. in her, and yeah. then they do it again. They
1: do it again, and the camera is quite unflinching. Like the camera stays on these shots for longer yeah. than you think it should, which is definitely. It's not just because it was the seventies. It's quite they're quite capable of quick cutting, and they do it several <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, And I think a lot of the other like effect scenes and the possessed scenes, and some of it, they're quite quick and they cut quickly, partly for shock value. Yeah. And so the decision to hold these shots for as long as they do is yeah, very deliberate.
0: Reagan's mother again being outstanding and so believably terrified. I love Mrs. McNeil. She's Mm -hmm. so neurotic that she's making them think she's manic. Yeah. And that reagan's inheriting brain illness yeah um immediately she's
1: you know doing the thing of like my child and that the doctors are like well you know
0: yeah cool kids are weird yeah exactly and
1: and it's all the idea that it all has a reasonable medical explanation
0: which it doesn't but that's cute it doesn't and the doctors are really done
1: done a dirty here you know Mm -hmm. because they're all professional They, they aren't to be blamed for not for not assuming demonic possession. demonic possession, exactly. Yes. However, like obviously they're wrong, and it's very clear to <laughs> yes. us very early on. Yeah, even if you don't know the title of the film, you know. Well, but... also
0: the, the results come back clear. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with nothing her. wrong with her So she does all this. We're flicking about. We're freaking everybody out. We've got Mrs. McNeil. So Ellen Burstyn would only do the role if she didn't say the line, "I believe in the devil." She had that removed and then agreed to it, which is an interesting touch, I think. Yeah. One, I think it isn't necessary, and she was right. I don't think that line is needed, and she was correct. Two, I think she was trying to keep it as genuine to her self as possible so that she could perform it believably. And And she's going
1: for the distressed. my child is in danger, my child is ill.
0: Yes. But three... At no point is it the devil they all make reference to it, but it's nice that she doesn't, yeah, because it's Pazuzu, not the devil, sure, but they the the priests and call it the devil well, and then there's a chat
1: about it, well, that's the thing, like this creature you know the the possessed the possession, the demon claims to be the devil in conversation with father Karras. yes, later. but um Father Marion is having none of it,
0: mm. So I've put, oh, God, the machinery, ooh right?
1: Yep, Moving yep. Moving on. Horrible, frightening.
0: Beautiful 70s peacoat. You thought you'd gotten away <laughs> with it, but here I am with the flipping fashion again. <laughs> Beautiful 70s peacoat, a thick tartan wool, absolutely stunning. But then we have, oh, no, it's hypno Reagan time. hypno Reagan freaks me out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's being hypnotized by... And it's such a beautiful, specifically 70s thing, correct me if I'm wrong, listener, but where you have an arrogant hypnotherapist. <laughs> arrogant psychologist, fine, because I actually hate the trope. I feel like it stopped a lot of people that needed therapy going. But the arrogant hypnotherapist who's like, OK, let's see what weird subconscious drive we've got going on here. I'm just going to wave this in front of you and then we'll all be done. She grabs his penis. Yeah. He looks genuinely terrified. And it's amazing. As if Pazuzu is going to hang out with this guy. You know? yeah,
2: yeah.
0: However, this, I believe, is our first visit from Mercedes McCambridge. Ah,
1: uh, yes.
0: Mercedes McCambridge, one of my personal heroes, just quietly in the background. Absolutely incredible bit of voice acting. Achieved with, now the ones that people know about are raw eggs and chain smoking. Fine. Welcome yeah. to the 70s. Sadly, alcoholism's a thing and Friedkin was so beyond inappropriate in this scenario that between the two of them, they made this a lot harder than it needed to be. So Mercedes McCainbridge, in order to get the voice, she was an alcoholic in recovery, but felt like she needed to break her sobriety to get into the role. And so was mixing with her raw eggs and chain smoking heavy doses of whiskey in order to be angry enough with herself to provide this character, right? Yeah. Now, on the one hand, it's an alcoholic trying to get access to booze. Sure. But on the other hand, she deeply, deeply, deeply blamed the director for this needed to happen.
1: I've read conflicting Mm, accounts about this. I suspect that neither of them covered themselves in glory.
0: She was restrained with torn up sheets at the neck, wrists, legs, ankles and waist. So in the scenes where she's restrained and fighting, that really is a drunk, fighting. broken woman doing a voice and genuinely trying to get out of a chair.
1: Wow. Because it's a fantastic, we're saying now. I mean, yeah. this is a film full of high points in the
0: yeah.
1: acting pantheon. Yeah.
0: She described it as a way to get into... Let me find the uh, actual quote for you. She described it... Ah, she said she experienced something called horrific rage. Wow. Bound to the chair. And she didn't want to be credited for the performance Mm -hmm. because of Linda Blair being nominated for an award award. For right, it.
1: yeah, she was nominated for Best Actress. Yeah, although Mercedes um, with Cambridge already had a Best Actress,
0: which was the other reason
1: in yes. her back pocket. She had a, a career in the fifties. I knew I recognised her name. Mm. I looked it up, and she's in Johnny Guitar. the Oh, um, really? Yeah, the Nicholas Ray. I, I enjoyed um,
0: that.
1: Sort of weird. I say Western. It is a Western, but like yeah. the weird Technicolor Western. She's the brunette in that.
0: That song really like gets the, in my head sometimes. The
1: antagonist to Joan Crawford. Yes. That, didn't Never quite had the career that she perhaps could have done, but because she was an alcoholic. And that yeah. w- makes it difficult to have a career.
0: <sighs> Not at that point, I well, will no, say. Well, it
1: make, but yeah, it depends how much you're yeah. drinking. It makes it difficult to work sometimes.
0: Yes, but then she she tried to sue the director, Mm -hmm. for putting her in that position and the company for allowing it all to happen under their noses she also took the credit back for the vocal work later, she allowed herself to be credited for it, if you like rather than taking the credit back, I think Mm -hmm. it was partly because she wanted to keep the magic alive and have the idea that Linda Blair did that voice as well, to keep the mythos of the film up, but I also understand the going like, oh actually no, I should probably take credit for that, I need to ruin my life (laughs) yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, you know, I don't know if anybody knew when they were making it quite the success that it would become. I mean, it's a True. landmark, isn't it? Sure. Uh, the other person who credit, I suppose, is Eileen Dietz, who's the Oh Spider Walk um, Lady. Spider Walk Lady, but also, which of course didn't make the didn't no. make this cut of the film, although it is in the extended one. Yeah. But sort of stunts. I believe it's her doing some of the punching and things. Oh, than I think Bear, she might be flicky because she's um, the flick flack lady. Right. That, that makes would, that sense. that would make sense. Some of the work under the heavy prosthesis later on is hell, and not a lot. Mm-hmm. But for when they wanted heft and some of the weirdest stunt work that they basically just didn't want to get a 12 year old girl to do, mm. they got a stunt performer in. Yeah. And. The three of them do such great work. I say together. I don't know if they ever actually met because Mercedes McHenry's a vocal performance. There'd be no need for it to be on set. Mm. But the three of them together make it. It's so good that you could believe that it was all one person, and that was, if there was a the story that they yeah. put about when the film was released.
0: So many lawsuits around this film. <laughs> Honestly, so many of them. What's her name? Linda Blair trying to sue later for the post traumatic stress of the makeup chair and then refusing to be in any makeup chair for the second one, so that's why right. in the second one the demon is beautiful. Ah. <laughs> because in the first one she was so traumatised she couldn't deal with it. Max one I was also traumatised. He didn't try and sue, but he was traumatised for the old man makeup.
1: Yeah. Which is great.
0: Incredible, but it ruined him. <laughs> he was older anyway, must yeah. have been awful. Anyway.
1: But yes, it is significant that she goes for his genitals.
0: Yes, because, penis crab.
1: Yeah, because it's more of that like weird sexual behaviour from a young girl, plus the hyper-violence.
0: Yeah, definitely. Plus, guess what? Burke's dead. Oh, yes. At this point, Burke's head was turned completely around when he died. We meet the cop. He's yeah. lurking in the doorway, looking very Columbo-esque. We meet him. He has an awkward, yes, I'll have another cup of coffee, and then leaves the cup of coffee. He has a triply awkward... Oh, anyway, I like Kinderman. I love him, but we'll talk about it in a minute because he's not here yet.
2: That's true.
0: His head was turned around completely when he died. It's being told to Father Karis. I think he. I believe he might be around or being told about the hypnotist incident. But he couldn't, you know. He's a psychiatrist who couldn't help his own mother before she died alone. So he's literally and he's having he's
1: eaten by the guilt of this. Yeah, all he's the way drinking through. a lot, isn't yeah. he? And
0: sort of curled up in a ball and all the rest of it.
1: But Kinderman interviewing him here mm. also is our first bringing of the two s- plot strands together because we've been oh, following. Oh yes. Been following a priest with loss of faith, and we've been following a girl with a very strange melody. Mm-hmm. And it's not immediately clear how these connect up, if at all. And and we've got this prologue set in. Iraq, and, yeah. and here is where all of them start to come together. This is where Kinderman interviewing Paris mm. is the is the first time that the two plot lines intersect.
0: Right, good point. The cause of Reagan's madness could still be the breakup of her parents at this point. Chris looks like she hasn't slept in eight years. She has a broken nail on her first finger too, which we know from her previous character wouldn't be something that she allowed to
1: very nice carry on. Very good point.
0: This scene oddly reminds me of Misery. It's the scene with hmm. the policeman and the walking around. You know, the tension yeah. in the scene of Misery where you're, like, waiting for him to find bodies. Yeah. It's a similar thing where he's kind of... It looks like he's plodding, but you know everything's deliberate. Same kind he's, of cop, as that. Yeah. Absolutely. He's watching her make coffee to see which hand she uses, that kind of thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. really interesting but then obviously he didn't really want more coffee he wanted a an autograph and it freaked me out i don't know why just that one bit where i'm like oh it's his smile when he's like oh it's not i lied it's
1: it's it's for me yeah Yeah,
0: it's cute but it's completely inappropriate and very 70s men
1: (laughs) i think plot wise as well it's there to remind you that she's a famous actress
0: it is i don't think he wants an autograph i think he's trying to work out He's trying to get a sample of handwriting or something. It's the mm-hmm. way he asks; it's too weird. But she—it
1: doesn't fit what we know of his character. No, and but she's it, freaked out. Yeah.
0: And then whoops, crucifix, maxi- masturbation, lick me, uh, all the rest of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is all. This is the famous stuff. This is yes. the stuff that you know about. Yes. If you haven't, if you haven't seen, the, you know, nothing else about the Exorcist. So you...
0: I, I vote that we skip over that just ever so slightly. Not skip completely, but no, not no, go but, yeah, too far no into point it. In
1: going through it, except to say that it's very quick. Yep. As we said, that these are very short scenes. Quickly cut, especially in in contrast to the hospital scenes where the camera lingers on her distress for a, a long while.
0: Yes, it's also not to be missed that that's her virginity gone to a crucifix because she's bleeding a little, right? Sure. So it's meant to be that it's broken her hymen. Yeah, and possibly,
1: she, you know, she's not being gentle, it's possibly doing it all could sorts be, of damage oh to her. Oh herself.
0: dear, that's yeah, horrible. Thanks for that. You I'm sorry,
1: but it, you know, it's. <laughs> It's it's disgusting and it's, it's deliberately it's, I know. it's deliberately and it's designed to be shocking and yes. horrible and the fact that it still is nearly fifty years after it's made shows what a good job they did. Imagine seeing that in
0: 1973. Ooh. Reagan's mother tries to stop her and is thrown across the room. By the way, here's her chance to try and sue everybody <laughs> because she genuinely got a back injury from that throw as the actors were not cared for very, very well in this film. And it did stop her working for a while. She was properly crippled by it for a little bit. So that didn't go down well, but yes, that's why she looks so distraught when she's thrown and it it hurts. And that was the cut that was kept as well Yeah, was the one where she hurt herself, which implies that they then threw her around more (laughs) (laughs) after the injury. Anyway, I love broken mother and broken priest bonding. Chris's the mother, Mrs. McNeil's incognito outfit is beautiful. She's got incredible shades. She's a an actress in disguise, you yes. know. The the tall collar. She's basically dressed like a kind of femme detective, you know. <laughs> but she's also using the shades to hide the punching.
1: Yeah, and but and your black eye. You say femme detective, but she's also coded a little bit like the woman who might sidle up to a man and say, "Like, I understand you. You know how you know how to help a woman like me." Oh, (laughs) I see. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. Um, Like there should be one leg with a garter coming out of the coat. I see. Yes, yes, yes. So she's appealing to faithless, (laughs) faithless father.
1: Yeah. Faithless and medically trained Father Caris. I think this is important here as well. He's
0: really trying to keep it in the medically trained world. He's not really interested in going too far towards the godly. Yeah. Until she's like, I hear you can do exorcisms. And he's like, Oh no.
1: Yeah, so what, what would you say? And he says, well, the first thing I do is you say, you need a time machine to go back to the 16th century. Yeah. It's like, can't, can't be done.
0: But hey, guess what? He's a sucker for mums. So, he, <laughs> you know.
1: But he doesn't have, of course he's not big on the... X is then because he doesn't believe in God. No, <laughs> but he's a
0: sucker for mums. He's going to try yeah. and help a mum because he couldn't help his own. And, you know... Yeah,
1: absolutely. That'll do it.
2: Yeah.
0: And then we're back with Reagan, and here she is doing Green Puke. So, again, welcome to trying to sue Warner Brothers and the director, because Linda Blair was so rigged up with two sheets of Perspex keeping her mouth open, she couldn't swallow or oh. breathe. So, <laughs> I'm sure there were better ways to do that. Double PS. Yep. She hated vegetables so much it made her puke every time it was in her mouth. It oh, is wow. pea soup and it was just pea soup followed by puke and then her being unable to swallow wow. again and again. <laughs> and the,
1: the kicker is well, they don't use much of that shot in the nope. film. You don't notice because it's very well edited, but we a lot of that is just pea soup flying at the face of an actor.
0: It misfired, didn't it? You, it hit um, the wrong person. Oh yeah, oh, it hit
1: him in the face and it was supposed to not hit him in the yes. face and, that, and, he, and he goes he looks disgusted by it and then, so...
0: Freed so we Kim. keep that Freed in. Kim, I <laughs> mean, you
1: know, he's no, he's no fool. Nope. Friedkin.
0: Incredible voice acting. Well, we have a kind of match, matching of wits between Father Carris and Reagan, where he's testing. He says, "I've got holy water." Yeah. Where she's growling at him and saying things. It's two dogs fighting again. That noise. Oh. Turns out it's beagles. I forgot, right. but they are the beagles, aren't they? Yes. So two dogs fighting again because it's those two having a paddy.
2: Yeah.
0: An energetic paddy. Give us He's thrown water at her. He's pretended it's holy water. She's reacted like it's holy water. And then he's brought that back to the mum, saying, like, wasn't holy, wasn't blessed. You know, it. it, it yeah. there's something going on here. He's playing the tape back in his own home, and he hears it say things like, give us time, let her die. I am no one. It's so frightening. It's a
1: really nice bit of uh, sound design. Mm. I also like that because... He talks about one of the things he's he's looking he's testing, right? Like a like a scientist would. Yes. So, so he's got the thing with the, with the water not being holy. although He yeah. tells the demon that it is.
0: He's slowing it, to, slowing the tape down but to hear things. But one build. of
1: the things that he says what he's looking for because he's around, you know he's looking for signs of possession mm-hmm. as from the things and I'm sure here he mentions that one of the things is speaking in a language that they didn't know. Yes,
0: it is. He does say it there.
1: And, of course, he gets this weird howl because then you get that wonderful scene where he takes the tape to a technician of some kind and says, like, what language is this? And, and he like, says it's English. It's English. But it's, it's just backwards. Backwards, yeah. And that's when he reverses it and you get all these things.
0: Terrifying. Uh, he just leaves it playing while he answers the phone, yeah, which I really makes because yeah. the other person is like, are you? <laughs> just listening to
1: some quite experimental stuff.
0: <laughs> And then it turns out to be cute Sophie, who's called him to action saying, hey, don't tell anyone, but she has help me written on the inside of her.
2: Oh, yeah, on the, she's on got the her stomach. She's got
0: it on her belly.
1: And again, it's the call for help. It's a very priest, even though he's lost his faith, it's a very priest reaction to somebody, Definitely. to an innocent in, in trouble.
0: Catholic headquarters looks like the baddie's lair. <laughs> Just saying. That's them discussing whether or not it's okay for Father Karras to do an exorcism. They send yeah. Father Karras in with Max von Sidel's character. What's his name?
1: Merrin, and that's another My thing was on the tape, right? You hear you hear the voice you know, in the cacophony of reversed voices mm. one of the things that come through is the name Merin mm. from Reagan from Captain Howdy from Pazuzu from whatever it is that's speaking
0: well they have history Pazuzu and Merrin know each other exactly
1: but it's interesting that the name comes up there and then independently or presumably because I don't imagine they will have heard this tape when they're having this conversation they suggest Father
2: Merrin
0: yes and then I've just drawn hearts everywhere I think it is important to note as well that it's a gripping film and that Frequently, Ben and I got distracted by watching the film. Yeah. <laughs> instead of taking notes. No, it really was. So works. patchy at best, but it's so good that Siddhar doesn't want the backstory. So yeah. he arrives, we have that iconic lamppost shot that is the poster. Merrin arrives, lamplit, doing the kind of nighttime doctor mode thing where, you know, we sent for the doctor and he turns up with one suitcase. Yeah. Uh, sorry, one, you know, doctor's, yeah, doctor's the leather bag. bag. Yeah, Gladstone bag. Thank you. And he doesn't want the backstory because the more backstory you have, the more you feed it, the more it has to go on, the more mm. you give this thing a narrative and it will run with it. And he knows it. He clearly yeah. has history with the demon. <laughs> yeah. And go on. he finally gives us the rules. But that's when we get the rules. We have bits and pieces of the rules, like holy water could hurt it. or And what
1: he's looking for when he's saying, because he has to... Actually, I really like the scene when Karis goes to see the head honchos yeah. and is calling in for an exorcism and they say, like, do you think that's what this yeah. is? And he says, frankly, no, but I am satisfied that it meets the criteria as set out. Perfect. Right? And that like, but this is worth investigating.
0: He's He has investigated exorcisms in the past because he wrote papers on it when he was oh, training. of course, yeah. So he knows the history of it and that's why he says go back to the 16th century. It's why yeah. he's recommended at all because he did all the writing on it. So, of he, course, nice detail. Marin sets out the rules while <laughs> while Linda Blair just shouts things like your mother sucks cocks in hell. Fine. He's a liar. Is what she's screaming in the background because he's telling them what the rules are. Yeah. You know, here's what we do, here's what we don't do. Good god, it's so good. Green vom on the silk. Yeah, she dribbles this yeah. horrible stuff all over the uh all over his Catholic silks headspin time yeah
1: yeah and that's again like probably the most famous scene in Mm. the film I think referenced in the ghost train at Blackpool Pleasure Beach as I recall (laughs) around there's a bit where a a doll yeah
0: that's true um
1: and and again very very quick and um what I didn't know until I read about it afterwards and hadn't mm. even sort of properly twigged is of course that's a dummy that's dummy work mm-hmm. but then they superimpose an image of
0: ah I wondered
1: the, like a moving face over it
0: that's a good idea
1: just to give the idea of movement and it's so quick that you don't have time to register that it's not a real head mm-hmm. you have the uncanny movement and then superposition of, of, a, of a moving face mm-hmm. the right size over it and then you cut away yeah and the effect shots in this are extremely well done, extremely economical and such that you don't really think about that because no. there's a real battle going on here. Like, Meryn um, just radiates authority mm. and He's like a surgeon. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and that battle, if you'd like, between the two of them is the meat of it and the effects never overshadow that but they are wonderful.
0: Yes. You don't think about the fact that that is eight to ten fridges being opened off screen oh yeah and because the lights warmed the setup they had to keep making everybody more cold and everyone got sick because it it took hours to film yeah and it was really, somebody really put a bed on hydraulics yeah <laughs> and shuffled it around underneath but no one could breathe because it was so flippin chilly yeah like that sort of stuff just to get air because you didn't it didn't work to have the added in breath no. afterwards you know it would look awful yeah. and they were right but also you put your actors in danger all the time yes <laughs> the power of Christ compels you is a big reference for me not just because I watched a lot of vine videos that got me through everything but because of reenacted by bunnies again
1: right of course no again it, it's one of those lines mm. and it's used and it's parodied in so many things and it's one of those ones that when you see this for the first time, you're like, oh, that's where it's from. But there's a real authority to it. This is what I mean about the theology of mm. the film, and the fact that it it is important, but not that not that it's important that you believe in God for this to work, but, but it's important that you accept that, and I think that the film does it well, that you do accept that this is working, mm. and that this has meaning, yes. and heft, and weight, and, rea- and a reality to it, that it means that you accept implicitly, like the 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 exorcism framework and mm. the idea that this is a demon and that the power of Christ can compel it out,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that what they're doing has all of that behind it and all of that weight and all of that th- thing. It really is a film about faith in some really important ways. I think Chris, when she's talking to Father Caris to convince him to come in mm. to do it, she insists that he tell her. That he knows for a fact that it isn't a possession, yes. and what she's asking for there is a declaration of faith,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he can't give it because he he doesn't have any faith. Mm-hmm. Not even the faith. Not even the certainty that it isn't real. Mm. Not even the certainty that there is no God. He just has. He's just lost. And what the character of Merrin brings is that. Certainty of faith now how yeah. much that how much Merin's steadfastness rubs off on Karras as a, as we've already touched on a matter of debate and changes or affects the message of the movie in the end of the movie mm. but, but Merin comes in as this rock of faith
0: mm.
2: w-
1: making him a worthy adversary for this demon
0: yeah dogs fighting dogs are outside. Upset, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Dimmy gets a knock on the head and the dancer and statue imagery comes back or has a bit of a callback, but he wasn't present for that, so he is now witnessing something that is beyond him sure. in the same way that Merin did. Mm-hmm. Father Marin. His own mother on the bed is such a cruel touch, you know? Yeah. And then Poor Damien, you know, I'm just being nice briefly. But Max von Siddow giving me solid Giles vibes, actually. There's a lot of yeah. Giles of Buffy. There's a jump scare with the phone that seems unnecessary, but okay.
1: It's not a jump scare, jump scare, but it is just I think it's the sound design again Yes, is, it is, it's yeah. it's it's hinting towards that weird cacophony that yeah. we get earlier.
0: But we have a A really beautiful pause on the stairs as well. We touched on it briefly, but a really beautiful pause moment where it's just two men that don't know each other well who are having to do a job together but are meant to be joined in faith. Mm -hmm. And one of them suffering the guilt that... Well, Catholicism, hashtag. But the guilt of feeling like he's letting the side down. Yeah. This kind of... Look, this would be working if they'd hired a priest, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. if they'd hired a man of faith,
1: plus, of course, the guilt that his mother died and he couldn't he didn't do more for his mother, yes, something that really wears like a like a physical weight upon him. Sometimes.
0: Yes, but guess who else is guilty? Go on It's Father Merin, he released Pazuzu. As far as of he course. knows, he released Pazuzu onto the world. Of course, he's going to be the one. The, he's the one they call. Yeah. Two, he's going to be the one that is welcoming death by going to him. Yeah. And three, he understands the weight of this, and so has it. He looks like he's been preparing for life.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he has a he has an acceptance mm. about him. You're right. And. His health is a nice issue because you say he's a, he's 44 at this point I think mm. Max made up to look older excellently but we see him in the in the prologue shaking and taking medication
0: mm. and he takes a break doesn't he He takes a breather
1: he does but when they're talking about bringing him in they say oh well, we thought he was in Iraq and they say no he's back now he's at Woodstock I think which is a seminary he's teaching you know and they say and they say how's his health and they go well it must be all right if he's digging up yeah. archaeological sites because it's just mentioned there that his health is maybe not so great, but they don't know. Yeah. But we've seen it, and and again, when they take a break, we see him taking pills again.
0: But when Father Karras wakes up mm-hmm. or is present again, Max is dead.
1: Yeah, and it's off screen. We don't see yep. what happens to him, which is really nice.
0: It's rumoured to be a heart attack,
1: but and that would make sense. You know, yeah. he's been he's been pushing. If he could be on he heart had.
0: meds. He does have to take a break during yep. the exorcism to take medication, so anything could happen. I mean, hey, he could have even killed himself. We don't see how many pills he takes, but hey, the. I don't.
1: I don't. I doubt no, it. No, it just doesn't fit his character. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's about that. Well, it could be a self-sacrifice, which of course I is know, not the but same I don't as, think so. as. But it could just be that he was outmatched ultimately mm. by the demon. I suppose you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Max is dead, and it pushes father carries over the edge he punches a child I put dude yeah (laughs) what a horrible fall he punches the child he says come into me to the creature to the demon it does immediately because it's like hell yeah a priest perfect Mm. a fallen priest i can do this
1: that's what what they say as well when they have their first conversation Mm. fuzuzu and father carries you know what a wonderful day for an exorcism And, and well reagan says what a wonderful day for an exorcism! And when Father Carris questions, "Is that what you want?" He says, "Yes, it'll bring us together." Yes, right. That's there's true. A, there's a, there's almost a way in which, or almost a sense in which this has been what the demon has wanted all along.
0: True. I said it's a scary and horrible fall. It's a very believable fall, and it's frightening to see Reagan sobbing and clearly not Pazuzu anymore.
1: Yeah, and it, very clearly.
0: Yeah, immediately. Great outfits all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even long that we're stuck with that release either. We do see Father O'Malley happen to turn up at that point mm-hmm. and run over to his friend's side and start doing his last rites. And as oh, I mentioned, this is after
1: we slipped out of the window. Yeah. We're going straight to that.
0: Oh, yeah, I said it's a horrible fall and then she- Reagan sobbing. Where are you going? It is.
1: Well, because we, we hear Regan... It, to me, it's immediately clear when the demon... Yeah, transfers because we hear Reagan released, but just that that little sequence where you see the possession makeup, if you'd like, come over yeah. Father Caris and then you see his real face come back for a moment
2: mm. while he says
1: no, and then dives for the window,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and about whether that's sacrifice
2: mm-hmm.
1: or whether that is suicide,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I still think it's suicide. You still think it's yes. suicide?
1: Yeah, a lot of people did uh, say uh, again per. Per the interviews with the filmmakers in the but they did talk about re-editing the ending to yeah. make it clearer that it was a sacrifice. To me, it's clearly his better nature overcoming that right. uh, the demon through through force of will and faith. But obviously, to you, it is clearly something else, and that's part of the part it, of how well this is done. I think
0: it is, but it's a really similar. He's, for want of a better phrase, killing two birds with one stone. I don't think that he's like, no, I can't have this in me. I'm going to kill myself. I think that he's like, I will take this to hell with me. Right. Which, fine, could be a sacrifice. But because he wanted to be dead the whole film. Right. He, without his faith, he felt like he was nothing. So it makes sense. Sure, but if you to... read it
1: as redemptive that he regains his faith through this confrontation.
0: But I don't see how, because if God was real, why would he take Max away as well?
1: Mm. And it is that that makes him lose his rag right? yes. when he comes in. and and uh, it
0: becomes temper. That's not yeah. the priestly thing we're used to. And that's not how Father Merrin was dealing with it. He wasn't angry, sad, happy, lonely.
1: And we see Karis earlier shouting, you're not my mother. Mm. And when um, and that's when Merrin tells him to leave, right? Yes. He tells him to take a break because you, uh, this, is, this is one of the it's things. It's getting to you, Not yeah. how you do it, Exactly. It'll tell you lies but the lies will be mixed with truth and that's what it will do. And mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It is a horrible fall. But I just wanted to talk about that.
0: Yeah.
2: Because
1: uh, it, it, it all happens very quickly. Do you want to
0: know why Father O'Malley is so upset? Why he's so good at being upset in that moment?
1: Yeah. Do I? Is it horrible?
0: Yeah. Freaking hit him in the face. Ah. He said he wasn't upset enough. He was like, well, I'm a priest, not an actor, you know, and was making jokes, and he just oh, hit that's him. that's interesting. <laughs> he just smacked him.
1: Because I read that the actor playing Father Karras, mm. his name escapes me, got annoyed at Friedkin for doing things like, I think he, he set off loud bangs at several points through the mm-hmm. set to, to make everybody, everybody on edge. And Karras was very annoyed about this, saying, like, I am an actor, this is my job. Like, I can I can act shocked. You don't have to keep... Shockingly. Doing this all the time, this is making this unbearable. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, but of hey. course, that all comes through in his performance, right?
2: So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Imagine having the audacity or the vision, but the audacity and the disturbing nature to hit a priest. Yeah. Because he wasn't acting hard. Because he wasn't. Yeah. But this is part of the reason for like the watery eyes and the coming to his side and like looking mortified by yeah, what's happened because he's just been hit in the face. Hit in the face. <laughs> Slapped. Mm. Right. <laughs> hard.
1: Extraordinary. <laughs> Which
0: would, of course, would make everyone go, <gasps> you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The horrendous way to treat people. Anyway, this is why I say we're going to find more out. We're going to find more out later, and I, I don't it... mean the Me Too stuff. I mean right. we're going to find more out, like the sh- the Shining stuff, where you're like Shelley Duvall was not okay. Yeah. That stuff later. The last bit on fashion, sozzles
2: <laughs> Go on.
0: Bonus points for a fair hat, excellent outfits on everybody. The red and navy coat is just seventies gold. Hmm. Father Dyer is so sweet. But also she kisses Father Dyer on the face. Yeah. Why? She doesn't remember anything. That's what she said.
1: Well yes, I I wondered about that. It's Reagan who does that, yes. yeah. I did wonder about that, and the only thing I thought of yeah. is that Father Dyer just is such a gentle and radiant, good presence mm-hmm. in some way that just that Reagan, the Reagan now released from the grip of the demon, just responds to that.
0: Oh, nice! And it's and she feels bad because he's lost his friend.
1: Yeah, and and whether it's a way of just demonstrating again, her goodness, th- that that she's back, right, mm. and that. Y- and I suppose it stands in I don't know I'm possibly over reading too much into it Not today. but it it stands very much in opposition to her treatment of the smoke psychiatrist right and it's like oh, oh there's yeah. something of this is a, a kind human reaction and they say she doesn't remember anything and that nobody with a demon like that in them mm. would kiss a priest
0: okay interesting
1: <laughs> but I I don't know I don't know.
0: I took it as a kiss of death and that's why they have the pause. That's why the music, Tubular Bells, starts after they drive away Ah. because it's the ring style. It's still going.
1: Right. Oh,
0: Mm.
1: we have different interpretations. We
0: do, but that's the nature of something this good. No, and it's
1: part of the strength of the film. I do feel like the film that Blatty wanted to make, as far as I can tell, was a much more didactic film and Mm -hmm. a much more explicit film. I don't mean in terms of gore or profanity or anything. I mean mm-hmm. explicit in its moral purpose. Mm-hmm. Said, if you take the starting point as the case of an exorcism that he wanted to
0: Yeah. And I still. feel
1: and I feel like it might have upset him mm. to to make you know, that Friedkin made the cuts he did, but I think it made it a better and more interesting film because his message, Blatty's message about Christ, that's mm. you know, there's a there's definitely like a proselytizing Element to this that like g- demons are real and God is real
2: mm-hmm.
1: is still in the film, it's still there, you can still read it like that. Yeah, um, I, I think it was banned. Where do I've forgotten now? I'll find out and I'll put it in the yeah, uh, but it was banned somewhere for promoting Christianity. <laughs> it was banned in, That's a, impressive. in, a, in a Muslim country <laughs> or a, certainly a non Christian country because it was it, 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 it's a very, very pro Christian film in 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 some ways or in some lights but the edits that were made and the way that the ambiguities that are introduced by some of the editing and Mm. and everything just make it a better and more interesting film
0: yeah I agree I wanted to address a little bit of the stuff about the curse but I'm not gonna because there are other things that have done that in more detail there are in fact whole episodes of various podcasts dedicated to the curses around films, so I won't go into that despite that being most of the haunted nature of this film I will say there are strange after film echoes that are really interesting to give more context to what came of this. The first one is Ellen Burstyn going to a showing of it, having heard that people were responding poorly. She went to a showing of The Exorcist and she noticed many people were like nearly vomiting somebody fainted right. and there was a woman that she saw get up and look very very shaky so she followed her up the aisle of the cinema and the woman collapsed but when she came to she had this actress oh, no. over her and oh. freaked and the, obviously the oh, actress of course, is like because you
1: would you would have been watching a film and then woken up in it or at least as far as you were aware
0: exactly so she said that wasn't the best move but it's interesting that it affected people like that yeah So there's that one, there's that's one after effect, another one is that for six months after filming, Linda Blair had to have bodyguards, personal bodyguards follow her everywhere because certain how did I word it? (laughs) Because (laughs) religious extremists, fundamentalists extremists, very good, thought she glorified Satan Ah. which is an interesting one because one it was never Satan and two that ain't glorifying anything no, but apparently that's how they took it we've got things like the serial killer that was connected do you know this
1: vaguely but please fill me in
0: so uh, i don't bother naming names when it's serial killers because they don't need any more attention but the the killings were known as the bag murders it was six male victims who were found in bags in various pieces he was convicted after the film was made but he's the radiologist in he is a radiologist by right. Oh,
1: and he's in the... But he's room.
0: in the bit as a radiologist so that they kept all the processes quite realistic. Well,
1: this is what I mean about the medical stuff. When yes. I said it, it's like they kept it... And keeping these things procedural and sort of tied to real life adds yes. extra heft to the supernatural stuff. And again, with all of the having a Catholic priest on yeah. staff... Yeah, keep everything right, quote-unquote.
0: But I'm thinking, you know, the reason I bring up the serial killer element is, yes, contextually, people were becoming more frightened of being alive Mm -hmm. than they had been up to that point. Taking war out of it, I mean, in their daily life and all the rest of it. But it shows the gravitas of the film that they can have a convicted serial killer Outed as having worked on it and been close to a child, and all these things that mm-hmm. people fear, and it would still be a massive successful f-
2: yeah, film. It can true. ruin
0: a film to have like one person convicted of anything. Yeah, but I mean, you had this. You were speaking to me before about how the director Friedkin was starting rumors about his own film.
1: Yes, they to promote for it. the marketing, right? They yes. leaned into this idea. That's why we've already talked about. The idea that Linda Blair was solely responsible for all of the Reagan work—yeah—was um, was a marketing yep. tool. Talk about—we're not going to talk about the curse. No. Nope. But anything like that was quite happily talked up by the mm. filmmakers themselves to drum up interest in their film. The one that I really like is that in the levitation scenes when yes. uh, Reagan is is levitating, yeah, it's achieved by for a variety of, of ways, but. She's hung from Police. above. Yep. Basically, but uh, they put it about during the making and early release of the film that she was suspended by use of a magnetic field.
0: So clever, because then people will watch it to look for that. Yeah. That sounds
1: like a thing, doesn't it? That sounds like a, a way you could do it. Like if you don't really think about it.
0: <laughs> but, yeah.
1: And and yeah, and you realise that if, you, if the people looked really really closely, they could see the wires. But if you tell them that it's a magnetic field, they're not going to look for them. I love that. And so, anything like this, any stories about curses? I mean, not having serial killers working on your film, well, of course, he was only, you know, oh, just it was, oh, only, just, he, uh, it was only later standing, that he was, yeah, cro- of you know, course. But, you know, having well, like having yes. your actual factual criminals. That like, doesn't really help your film. But anything no. about like spooky things going on, yeah, weird things. If you're making any a film hearsay. like this, exactly, you will print that and you'll tell people about it because it will um, drum up interest and bring people to your movie.
0: Absolutely. I wanted to say that even if everybody had won their lawsuits <laughs> that they tried to file against either Warner Brothers or the director, I still don't think it would have detracted from the fact that it's Warner Brothers' highest grossing film, um again, once you yeah. do the maths. But it's the ninth highest grossing film of all time.
1: That's that's impressive. Mind isn't blowing. It? Yeah.
0: Properly again, conversion rates and all the rest of it put into place in today's money it's the ninth highest and it's a horror film that lots of people have seen tiny little clips from and dismiss it as like a cheesy 70s yeah. romp and and it's it's not it's it's art
1: it's it's, art. it's, it's yeah. a piece of art and
0: i'm glad it exists i'm glad that i didn't get put off by spoofs in things like scary movie <laughs> Well, I feel every like, time
1: it's troped. Yeah, the thing it's been it's been parodied and, yeah. and, and so much that it almost feels like it maybe shouldn't work. It, you know, you feel like these moments should have lost their power.
0: But I also feel like because they're so quick and those people have made such a fuss of it when they yeah. do happen, they're shocking still.
1: Yes, yeah, and they're such a small part mm. of of the overall thing, and it's the whole thing together. Yeah, and that just builds it all. It's an eighteen. Yeah. Uh, It has always been an 18 or an X certificate as we're saying. It wasn't uh, brought in before then. But local councils I I believe retain and have always had the ability to overrule the BBFC if Mm. they want. Interesting. Uh, The BBFC one is only advisory, if Mm. that makes sense. So there were a few places in England that banned it outright Hmm. because they were under pressure to do so by most of the people who hadn't seen the film. I believe there were a few catholic organizations that praised it very highly really as as
0: an advert for good godding
1: well yeah because wow i think they did go to a lot of effort to make it theologically sound.
0: yeah that makes sense
1: you know the the catholic church's position on exorcism is quite fairly presented i think you know Mm. it is unusual and strange and all of this but but people who hadn't seen it particularly in mary whitehouse and the old festival of light people as mentioned way back in Pender's Fen but I'm sure they'll pop up again at some <laughs> point in the podcast you know they were picketing oh. cinemas and writing to councillors, and a few places in England just banned it outright but of course geography being what it is you ended up with oh, i love i'll see if i can find a photograph for the for the instagram thing with exorcist bus tours <gasps> where if you lived oh. in a local authority that had banned it you and your pals would get on a bus and you would drive over That's to the nearest multiplex in the beautiful. next county over that had it and you all go for an outing to watch the exorcist
0: how strange i wonder how many people it made love horror and i me- wonder how many people it frightened so much they never watched horror again
1: I mean, yeah, a few of both. I mean, mm. well, as you say, it was the mo- well, ninth most successful movie ever. There'll be mm-hmm. a great many people who have watched this who would not be normally horror yeah. people. Who just would not normally go to the cinema. No. Um, and it, it it is unpleasant. Yeah, it is yeah. horrible in places, but it's not...
0: But it's gripping enough to not be disgusting in yeah. a way that you can't look at,
1: yes. And the censorship around it, it was... As I said, there were a few people who wanted it banned outright, mm. but there was at the time, and there were clearly, as they always have this thing in the guidelines that a very subjective thing, that if it's a work of art, it should be allowed to be seen. This is not tawdry. Oh, yes. This is not exploitative in the way that some things are. Like, this is it's a, no short bus this is a year after <laughs> true but I mean in, in the context of the early 70s this is no Clockwork yes. Orange which yes, was the big okay. yes. bet noir from uh, I think two years prior to what 71, 72 that was that was released uncut and of course a yep. few rape and does contain Horrendous graphic everything. sequences of rape and several other things you know there's there isn't anything titillating in here really I don't think
0: for us n- nice fairly vanilla people no but I do feel like you're essentially it feels like you're watching something you shouldn't be in certain places
1: that's true, but it's not in a sex exploitation no way. no there was a case at the time of a sixteen year old boy mm. who saw it and died not immediately afterwards but you know very soon afterwards, and that was reported in all the newspapers as quite a quite a big scandal at the time, quite a big thing, and there was questions asked of like should he have been allowed to to see it you know Mm -hmm. and the answer is like no it was an 18 it was an he wasn't allowed to see it it." and then so the medical evidence came out later that it was it had an epileptic seizure unrelated to having Mm. seen the exorcist and and then died but there was this heightened buzz isn't quite the right word this sort of sense around the film that it was you say this idea of like curse this idea of like Mm -hmm. People talked about subliminal yep. frames in the film, not just the one of the demon, but other things that weren't there because they, they put them there in their mind. Because <laughs> you know, but there's this sort of f- fever around it mm. because it's a powerful, powerful work of art that affected people. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more we could say about it, but
0: let's end it there. I
1: feel like there are it, there are great. There's 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 lots out there. Yep. And if you want more, there is more. Go forth, Mm. our children.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Indeed. Good luck with everything. (laughs) Don't dig around where you shouldn't. I'm sure you've seen Whistle and I'll Come to you. Just don't touch it. Don't touch the flute. Don't touch the penis god. (laughs) Don't touch Iraq. You know, leave everything alone. (laughs) What are we covering next?
1: We are taking a trip back to the silent era and covering the Phantom of the Opera, the... 1929 slash 1925 film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: starring Lon Chaney. Nice. Which uh, is is wonderful. Nice. And is like a lot of silence, mm. is available on YouTube in and various other places in various prints with Excellent. various in various quality. But uh, there are I've I've checked and there's a couple of good ones on there. So.
0: Good. Excellent. Right. See you then. As we have discussed we will be doing this every two weeks for the foreseeable just while we rejig some timetabling issues yep. and have lives <laughs>
1: we started doing this when i was not at work at all <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, you know ben's the editor as well so don't have nightmares
1: oh bye
0: bye bye everyone
2: bye thank you bye, oh, bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh.
1: Not only a, a siren and Yeah, a siren and some squawking seagulls were being spoiled tonight I wonder
0: if the siren has alerted the seagulls Maybe to, Maybe they missed their cue earlier Yeah Now they're like, oh, I've got to make up for it
2: Maybe the ambulance is throwing fish out the back of it.